Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. All You Can Eat Buffet Inventor. Mr. All You Can Eat Buffet Inventor. You've given us the real American dream. A tray, 15 feet of food, and a little sign that says, Go nuts, buddy. Pitch me, I'm dreaming. Pushing side dish innovation to its limits, you offer creamed everything and 400 flavors of gelatin. If there's beef, you'll chip it. If there's chicken, you'll fry it. And if there's gravy, well, then everything's going to be okay. Thank God for the gravy. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light buffet, boys. You know the way to a man's heart and a few hundred tasty ways to challenge it. Mr. All-You-Can-Eat Buffet Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, Fort Collins, Colorado. Do you want to destroy these people, Ari? Okay, yes. If I could gouge out Terrence McEwitt's eyeballs and eat them for what he did to me, I would. And I would sell that Benedict Arnold Adam Davies in a white slavery if we lived in a place that had a market for it. And Lloyd, that little queen, who I welcomed into my home and allowed to play with my children and care for my dog and who left me for those two scumbags, I would tie him up and allow the entire Screen Actors Guild to anally rape him if not for the fact that I know he would enjoy it. I hate them all. And yes, I want to see them destroyed. Jesse, how have you been? I've been... Great, I'm back, and you're fired. Hello all, no need to run, your fates have already been sealed. You're safe. Oh my god. You're safe, for now. Hello, nice to see you, who's your best client? Um... Jesus! I, I represent John Kate Pussy. Where are you, Davies? All right, I'm already packing to save myself the indignity. That's too bad. Ours, Jesus Christ! Did you watch the mind, Ari? And gone. Wetland one more time set. And here comes the 2-2 pitch to Edgar Martinez now. And the fastball swung on and the deep center field. Bernie Williams goes back and it is. Get out the right front and the mustard this time. Grab off. It is a grand salami. And the Mariners lead it 10 to 6. I don't believe it. From high atop the Robinson Gearing Studio Complex and straight out of God's country, Pauly's Island, South Carolina, the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network proudly presents Backwards K Pod. And now, here's the host of the show, Jake Robinson. Good moment, baseball universe. What is up? Once again, back is the incredible, the pod animal, Jake the Snake Robinson from the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network, half man, half machine, back in the Captain Kirk chair, shields down, photons up, prepare to engage on this week's digital audio program that I call 
backwards K-pod where we collect ball players and their stories. What's cracking, Seamans? What's juicy? Are you not entertained? Opening day has arrived, and the snake is coming in guns a-blazing, folks. I- I'm not here to fuck around this week. I just want to thank the good Lord above for helping me to get here today. At my age, I don't take any opening day All-Star game, uh, World Series, WBC, or any, you know, meaningless game versus the Royals in August, for that matter. I don't take none of those games for granted. Win or lose, anytime I have the opportunity... To soak in a ball game, I take advantage of it, and I still, at disadvantage age, I still appreciate it. As if I'm that five-year-old kid sitting in right field of Memorial Stadium with my late Aunt Celeste, and Reggie Jackson is treating me like I'm the only person in the stadium that matters. And I, I almost have a tear in my eye thinking about my first experience in the game of baseball. That, that was 48 years ago. And my life has never been the same since that day. And to top all that off, I have a baseball platform that is listened to in over 32 countries around the world. And I have the greatest baseball podcast audience ever to share my love of the game with every single week. I, I am truly blessed. Hello, everybody. Jake the Snake Robinson here, back from the surgery table. I am hernia free. Been recovering for the past week. Well, it's six days a day. No worse for wear, I think. Uh, the last thing I remember before they gassed me out was, yeah, what if I wake up and I become like a goddamn Blue Jays fan? <laughs> I was a little antsy, but look, I pulled through it. I didn't have an urge to emigrate to Ottawa. Although, I could have used that socialist medical system that they employ over, uh, you know, our clusterfuck system. I mean... Look, I'm pretty much in debt now for the rest of my remaining years of life, so... (laughs) I mean, that's a whole other story for a whole different type of podcast, right? And, first of all, before we get into this, I feel the need to apologize to the audience. I was hoping to put out a show last Tuesday, as I've always done for you guys since I joined Podbean, but I gotta be honest with you, I was whacked out on the oxy. My insides were, you know, delicate. Let's put it that way. And the drugs that, you know, they made my voice sound really disturbing. I mean, this is disturbing enough, right? So, and to be honest, I just couldn't get it together. I was totally fucking out of it. And I got to be honest, I I felt the love. Many people in and out of my baseball universe, they prayed for me. And I I thank all of you from the bottom of my dark, empty soul. I, I feel the positive vibes all around me. People in my orbit were... Of course, like, don't worry about missing a show, just get better, which is logical, of course, I I know that, but that kind of mentality, it flies in the face of everything that I am, it's it's part of my uh, Japanese samurai ancestral DNA, first of all, again, if I'm being honest, this podcasting is very competitive, and I'm in pursuit of podcast perfection, so that's first, missing deadlines is not perfection, in that regard. Uh, I'm a failure, and I have true shame inside of me because of that. I I failed my audience. You know, that's like the worst thing. I I never want to fail you guys. My sponsors and myself, I think you guys know that. Every week, I come prepared, ready for war. And last Tuesday, I was unable to meet that challenge, and, and, and I apologize to the fan base for that. But look, I'm back. 
and you're all fucking fired. <laughs> what do you think about that? You know, Ari going to the top of yeah, it's just I love that dude. I can't wait to get the manager's death pool rolling. Today is the snake's fifty second birthday, and there is no other group of people I'd rather be speaking to in the whole world. So let me tell you how I'm gonna handle this pivot. If anything, I'm prepared. The show has been plotted out for all of 2023. Now, I missed the history of the Astro Show this past Tuesday. I'm going to do a slight pivot on the Astro Show. I'm going to stick a pin in it and release that as a bonus pod at some point in the next couple months. The reason for that is because of all these player bios this year. They, they, They revolve around their birthdays. And if I just throw that Stroh's show out there on Tuesday, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna fuck the whole scheduling up that I have in place for a year. So I will at some point do that Astro show, but I have a tight schedule format to work with. So I personally apologize to my Astros base. I'm not a hater. I- I'm an admirer. This isn't nefarious. I want to be transparent with you and and tell you why. I will get to that show for you. That's a promise from the snake, and that's. That's fucking ironclad. So, that's number one. Number two, Ava Rosario was scheduled for that show that I missed. Uh, she was going to come in and wrap up the WBC with me, but we kind of missed that window there. And he, he has been down in Port St. Lucie scouting his Mets. I, I want to thank Rosario for breaking down the 20 with me those last two shows. He did a hell of a job. That guy is passionate about international sports, and he is always welcome here in my little dojo. Uh, well, what can I say about the classic other than it was a classic? The best showing of games for the tournament in its short history. We saw the Czech Republic get an automatic qualifier for the next WBC with their first win on the world stage. That's quite an accomplishment. Love those dudes. We saw countries like Australia and Italy improve dramatically from their previous classics. Classics. And hopefully these two. Keep that snowball rolling down the hill when they continue to expand on their goals. We saw the utter collapse of baseball powers. Uh, Cuba, Dominican Republic, the Kingdom of the Netherlands. Uh, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. The Dominicans were in a tough pool to start out with. I give them that, but I still consider their tourney a fail- failure. They were one, one amongst the prohibitive favorites. On the flip side of that... Puerto Rico, I said it the last two shows, they die slow, and any thought of their demise on the world stage of baseball was foolish. It it was foolish on my part, for sure. We saw Edwin Diaz go down, which infuriated a few of these uh, butthurt Mets fans and Keith Olbermann, but... Their protests were drowned out by the dollar bill counting machines that the MLB accountants were using to stack that revenue cash. And it was drowned out by the roars from the fans watching baseball in the stadium or on their TV sets all around the globe. The same people who never say shit about NBA players and NHL players in their Olympics. But, you know, baseball has to abide by your Standards, your wishes. Okay, I got you, buddy. It's horrible what happened to Diaz. No true fan wants to see that. Not even a Phillies or a Braves man would wish that on you. When players get hurt in the spring, shit, 
players get hurt tripping in their, over their dog in their living room or, or going all Marty Cordova with a tanning bed incident. This will not destroy the Mets. The guy pitches one inning, and his career has literally been up and down throughout his career. He wasn't even hurt performing a baseball play. The, the whole selective outrage uh, was just fascinating to watch. I, I, I'm feeling Chris Rock on that selective outrage thing. And quite honestly, the best team won the tournament. In Japan, just like I said they would five months ago, while the pundits were steadily telling me about, you know, the prodigious power of the Americans and the Dominicans, I was laughing inside because, A, this was always going to come down to pitching, no matter how powerful those liners were. And the Japanese had the pitchers. And B, the overall concentration on building a fundamental machine that was going to be able to manufacture runs with all their cogs available at any moment, in any situation, in any game. Many Americans, after they pounded Cuba, were caught up in this offensive prowess of Team USA without understanding, you know, the true mediocrity of the pitching they just pounded. You were deluded if you thought that the lineup was going to manhandle Japanese pitching the way they did to the Cubans. Going into that game, I kept telling these rambunctious Americans, chanting USA in my face, I kept telling them to take a look at that Japanese pitching staff and their stats in this uh, little tournament that we're running here. Metric, traditional, I don't care. Take a look at them. I don't give a shit which one you look at. The Japanese pitchers, they own the stat box. And the difference between Team USA and Samurai Japan was pitching and the fundamentals. Japan matched USA with two solo home runs in the championship game. And they manufactured that third winning run. So, just like I said a couple weeks ago, Team USA looked like some of these Yankee teams that, you know, the last decade or so where they have to fight for every win if they ain't hitting the ball out of the ballpark that day. And that ended. The former best player on the planet, Mike Trout, taking on the best baseball player on the planet, Shohei Otani. With two down in the ninth, that was mesmerizing. And the perfect finish for a tournament that is here to stay, folks. Japan has now won three WBC crowns, and it is official. The Nippon Professional Baseball League is on par with the major leagues. For those of you who still think it was stupid and useless... Go ask the Red Sox how stupid and useless it was. They got Yoshida batting cleanup today. So, congratulations to Team Samurai Japan. See you in four years. And when Adley Rockstar makes that American team, I, you know, I may have to reconsider a few things there. Okay. I'm going to take a commercial break in a few to set up our death pool. But before I do... I want to announce that we do have a winner in our annual LTBPN throwback draft. And I've had a few guys try to, you know, try to IM me on the slide, you know, hit me some checks off. You know, they they want to know who won. But the judges and I, we've been bound to secrecy. And I'm ready to announce the winner. So, let me uh, set this up here. Let me explain what it is to the listeners who don't know what I'm talking about. I have the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network group page. If you're not there, you should be. It's the most comprehensive and interactive baseball page in the book. Just answer the stupid questions and come in. Anyway, the members 
Every year, we have an open draft on the page that we all kind of follow for a couple months. And at the end of the year, I break the teams down and declare a winner. And we usually start in February, kind of gets everyone in like this baseball mode. That's I'm trying to get them into this mode. You know, football's, football's over. Let's, let's, let's focus on baseball. And at the beginning of the year, we do a throwback draft where our players uh, are in a pool from like the last 40 years. They're all available. And after the last time of the World Series, we have an open draft of all the current players and uh, in the Major League Baseball, and we sim that out in a 2K baseball video game. So, this year, we did it a little different. And, you know, with me recovering from surgery, I had my four-man bench of judges decide the winner this year. I told them I would only give it involved if there was a tie, and you needed someone to break it. Well, I'm going to tell you, they didn't need me at all. And, you know, I was going through the notes. It's well thought out. There were some uh, disagreements, but they fleshed it all out. And, folks, the winner was unanimous. There were arguments getting to there. But one team stood out above the rest. So... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give you the playoffs. I want to get onto this uh, this Deadpool. I'm going to give you the playoffs of the World Series results. And if any of you have questions and you're in the draft, you can direct your questions to the judges. And truth be told, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that horse shit anymore. I mean, look, folks, this is all for fun. So please keep your crying to a minimum because I'm a heartless snake. I don't give a shit. I actually love the taste of your tears. Okay? So here we go. Oh, and just so you know, there's no favoritism. We have no idea whose teams these are when we're judging them. Uh, we have to go. We don't find that out until the winner is decided. So, where's my notes here? I know you guys want to really, really know, right? In the American League... That's the American League, the junior circuit. I'm trying to draw this out. In the American League, the playoffs came down to two teams. All right, it came down to two teams in the American League. All right, I'm fucking with you. All right, let's go. The playoffs came down to two teams in the American League playoffs. One team was drafted by Brian Belzino out of Dewey, Arizona. Dewey, Arizona. Dewey, Arizona. And the other pennant winner in the American League. We're still in the American League, right? Okay. The other winner in the American League. I really should be a game show host. I know how to build up suspense, right? The other winner in the American League was Team Ozzie Cruz from Puerto Rico. So, you got the playoffs between Team Belzino and Team Ozzie Cruz in the American League. 
in the National League. The postseason came down to the teams drafted by. This is the National League we're doing right here. We're doing the playoffs. Two pennant winners. In the National League. The postseason came down to two teams. One was drafted by Frankie Iberlino out of upstate New York. And the other team, what division is this? National League, right? What are we down to? Two teams? Okay. The other team that won was Justin Navarrete. Out of Anaheim, California. And I probably just butchered his name again. I always butcher that dude. Is it Navarrete or Navarrete? I'll never know. He's just Justin N to me. So Justin Navarrete. Out of Anaheim, California. And Frankie Iberlino. I just call him Frankie Eyes. He's another one. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Now. American League, you got Team Belzino versus Team Ozzy Cruz. National League came down to Team Frankie Eyes and Justin. The AL pennant was won by Team Bells. Brian Belzino. I heard there was a lot of argument over that. So, Belzino's in the World Series. Congratulations, brother. Good job. The NL pennant between Frankie Eyes and Justin. The NL pennant was won by Frankie Eyes. All right. The suspense, the drama. So, now we got our World Series matchup. We got Team Bells versus Frankie Eyes. And the winner of the 2023 LTBN Throwback Draft by unanimous decision by a jury of your peers. Is it going to be Bells or Frankie Eyes? Which one could it be? Hmm. Let's open the symbol up here. Alright. Oh. Look at that. Unanimous, huh? Alright. And the winner of the 2023 LTBN Throwback Draft is Frankie Eyes out of Upstate New York. Great job there, Frankie. Unbelievable. And you know what? Yeah, take it. Look, take your bows, brother. You deserve it. And look, awesome job, Frankie. I mean, great fucking job. I got a prize for you. I'm going to be sending it out. I want to talk to you a little bit. I'll send you an IM in a couple days. I want to thank Ben, Matt, Scott, and my dude, Adam. Great job, fellas. 
Way to step up in my steed. You've done good, guys. And, and look, like the Supreme Court justices, that's a lifelong post. And I'm sure I will use you guys in the future. we got a kangaroo court coming up here soon. So, you know, there's no other judges that I trust more. And there you have it, folks. Congratulations again to Frankie Eyes. And I'm glad you won. I, I, I must have got like five messages uh, during that draft from him about how much he had fun participating in this. So, Frankie, you now wear the, uh, well, you wear the crown, brother. <laughs> I mean, you're the dude. There you got it. Congratulations. Frankie Eyes, 2023 throwback draft winner. And, uh, I, you know, look, man, I'm just so happy you won because I just remember all those messages that you kept, uh, Sent it to me, and uh, you really, this was your first trap, and you cleaned up, brother. It was unanimous. No one uh, even argued it. It was just, it was done deal. Once you were in the World Series, you were done deal. Uh, congratulations, my friend. You now wear the crown, and may you rule wisely and in a just manner for the year. Now, I'm going to step out of here for a couple of minutes, pay some bills, Please support my sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for our manager's death pool. Uh, See you guys on the other side of the break. I got to tell you, I'm just so surprised that Frankie won. I I just love that, man. That's the coolest thing ever. Frankie eyes. He got the crown, baby. That's really, really cool. Yeah, I'm going to step out, pay some bills here. Set up the, uh, you know, the my new setup here for the manager's death pool. So stick around, folks, and I'll be right back. Executive producer of Backwards K Pod. In Texas, we do everything big. After football and golf, there's probably nothing I love more than going fishing and enjoying a good crawfish boil. The only thing I dislike about going fishing is the lingering odor it can leave on your hands afterwards. Well, the Fish and Hand Cleaner is an all-natural liquid soap, perfect for overpowering fish and bait odors from your hands. I can't tell you how many times I've eaten steamed crabs, lobster, shrimp, crawfish, and then washed my hands with regular soap, only to touch my eyes half hour later, and my face begins to melt off due to the damn Cajun Old Bay spices. Well, we also have a hand cleaner, specifically formulated to use after eating shellfish and other seafoods. Perfect for cleaning spicy, smelly hands after a Texas-sized seafood feast. In these cases, don't settle for anything less than our crawfish hand cleaner, our crab hand cleaner, or the fishing hand cleaner. An ingenious trifecta of natural hand soaps developed and owned by a disabled Navy veteran. He and Jake have a true connection, as they were boot camp shipmates all the way back in 1989. So he is family, folks. And one thing we do here at the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network is look out for family. 
so you can support two grassroots companies by two former shipmate Navy vets. Crushing big bowls of shellfish or fishing on the banks of your favorite river while you listen to BKP. Sounds like a great day. You know, in fact, hey, Ma, where are my poles? I'm gone fishing. There is also a buffalo wing hand cleaner in development as we speak. To check all of the incredible products of this great company, you can go to www.crawfishhandcleaner.com or call the home offices at 713-588-0290. That's 713-588-0290 to support the grassroots company that supports your grassroots podcast show. That's crawfishhandcleaner.com or 713-588-0290 to prepare for your summer time shellfish feast or that fishing trip you're planning. Crawfishhandcleaner.com I think you're dead, right? Yeah. That's good. You should keep it that way. What, like, like wear a mask? Yes, a very thick mask, all the time. I am sorry, you are haunting. Your face is the stuff of nightmares. Like a testicle of teeth. You will die alone. If I mean, if you could die, ideally, for others' sake. That'll do. All you need now is a suit and a nickname, like Wade the Wisecracker, or Scare Devil, Mr. Never Die. Ah, shit. What? I put all my money on you, and now I just realize I'm never going to win the, uh... Deadpool. Captain Deadpool. No, just... Just Deadpool. Yeah. To you, Mr. Pool. Deadpool. That sounds like a fucking franchise. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Don't get it twisted. This rap shit is my motherfucker. Oh, fuck it. Damn. Fuck what you heard. It's what you hearing. What you hearing. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. Exco, give it to you. Fuck, wait for you to get it on your own. Exco, deliver to you. Knock, knock, open up the door to spread. Don't put the knot, stop, pop out, and stay still. No hard getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart that I make the motherfucker wonder if you did it. Damn right, can I do it again? Cause I am like so I got to win. And we're back, guns blazing, baby. I'm ready to get this thing rolling. It's the 2023 Managers Deadpool sponsored by Laparos Fishing Crab Hand Cleaners. Gotta thank them for sponsoring stuff like this for us. And we got a beautiful tro- trophy uh, for this year's winner, thanks to uh, our sponsors' help here. The rules are simple. I will be pulling an audience member's name from a hat. And then I will pull one of the current 30 managers' names out of another hat. And I will match uh, the audience member's name to the manager's name. And if that manager is dismissed or quits or, God forbid, dies and you have his name, you win. It's that simple. Uh, The game runs concurrently during the 162-game season. 
Meaning, if you have a manager's name that loses his gig at any time during the regular season, I'll give you a prize as well. But the very first manager that gets fired, well, that earns you this beautiful trophy that we got. Also, uh, if no one gets fired during the season, then the contest runs into post and off season. But that doesn't run concurrently. That's winner take all situation. And uh, first guy that gets fired in the off season wins it all. Simple enough, right? So, look, you're listening to Backwards K Pod on the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network. Half man, half podcast machine. I'm all set up to begin the drawing for the 2023 Manager's Deadpool, sponsored by Laparo's Fish and Crab Hand Cleaner. So, let's do it. Let's break these fucking hats out. It's times like this I wish I had an extra set of hands, you know what I mean? But we're going to make it work, because you know the snake don't play. So, let's do it, let's do it. Uh, you know, it's funny, I didn't even mark these hats, you know, which one was the uh, player hat, which one was the manager hat, but it looks like there's more names in one hat. We got 60 members that wanted to get in, so I let everybody, or I'm sorry, we had 50, I'm sorry, what was it, 54 54 members wanted to get in, so uh, six managers will have one name attached to it, and then the other uh, 24 managers will have two names attached to it, okay? So here we go. First pick in the 2023 death pool. Manager's death pool, I should say. And look at Timmy Bricado out of Baltimore, Maryland, Okay. Let's see uh, which hat, which uh, manager he's got here. I'm pulling into the hat. And Tim Bricado, you have John Schneider from the Blue Jays. Now, that's an interesting pick, considering, you know, they brought him in after letting go Charlie Montoya last year. Uh, You know, after that buzzkill start of the 2022 season, Toronto was flattering around 500. The Jays' management surprisingly fired Charlie Montoya. And they watched as the team rallied around hired John Schneider. And the Jays, you know, they took off soon afterwards. Schneider's superior bully tactical skills over Montoya was a major difference for the Jays' late-season surge. But his biggest appeal appears to be the ability to, you know, win his players over, relate to the young Blue Jays' studs. And... Many of those guys played for him during his tenure as a minor league state, uh, manager in the Toronto Farm System. He will be facing uh, huge expectations in the upcoming season, but his even keel demeanor, it should pay off well on that team. And in that baseball market, it doesn't hurt that he has a balanced team to go along with that yin-yang balanced approach there. I, I don't have him vulnerable at all. I, I saw a lot of things I like out of John Schneider last year. So, you know, tactically speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of, uh, I got him at like 8% vulnerable. So that's the very first pick in the 2023 Manager's Death Pool. Tim Ricardo of Baltimore, you have John Schneider. So I'm reaching back into the hat. Whose name is next? God, I think I folded these up way too tight. Oh, look at this here. I got Chanel uh, McCaskill. Loyal, loyal fan, loyal listener. She's out in the the shy, baby, shy town. 
Big time White Sox fan. Let's see what kind of manager I can pull out for Mrs. Uh, Miss, Miss McCaskill here. Second pick of the draft. Oh my goodness, she is going to trip out when I tell her this. Alright, Chanel McCaskill, I told you, she's a White Sox fan, right? Well, her pick is the new hire for the White Sox, Pedro Griefel. And it's funny, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf, he, he exercises more involvement and he probably wields more day-to-day power than his fellow owners. The failed LaRusse experiment, it blew up in his face. And the funk that emanates all of it, it's 100% of it off on his head. Uh, and that is only added to like the fans' fear and the masses are, you know, beginning to call for Reinsdorf to sell that team. A team that he has owned and operated since the first year of the Reagan presidency. Uh, even the narcissist Jay Ronstor, he knows his limits, though, and he lets the he let the GM Rick Hahn orchestrate the hiring of Pedro Griffel, who had been on the Royals coaching staff since 2013. I also uh, he also I see here he also hired former Jays manager Charlie Montoya to serve as the bench coach. I don't think Griffel is vulnerable at all. I, I think GM Hahn is happy to see Larusa. And that outdated bullshit, you know, go, go out the door. He has put his thumb on the scales. And now he has a managing team that fits him philosophically. I, I believe he will give Griffel every chance to prove his chance to be right or wrong. Griffel, you know, he's going to have to lean heavily, heavily on third-year pitching coach Ethan Katz, who has the challenge of getting Lucas Giolito back on track to making the Southsiders uh you know, more force. And they got, a, they got a great threesome. They got Dylan Seas, Michael Kopech, Lance Lynn. Uh, so they can get Lucas Giolito to get back to what he is. That's a, quite a fearsome foursome right there. No team disappointed me more than last year than the White Sox. The, the jury is still out on them. I expect big things from them. But, look, I've been burnt by them before. But Griefel... I think he's absolutely safe. He, he's gonna he's gonna be given every opportunity to swim or, dr- or drown this year. So I got Griffel or Griefel at four percent vulnerable. All right, there you go, Chanel. You got your own manager. So I don't know how you should root for that. Quite honestly, I think you might have just want to you know call it a year and just not root for that to happen at all. If I was you. All right, let's see. I got Ryan Ziegler. Big Tom Phillies fan out of New Jersey. And who's his manager here? We've got to reach into here. Let's see what we got here. Let me see. Okay. Ryan Ziegler. You have Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol. That's an interesting pick there. Uh, I think it's another, almost kind of like a White Sox situation where, you know, that's kind of like the general manager's hire here. And speaking of that general manager, John Mosellick, he took over for Walt Jockety back in 2007. Do you guys realize that? He's now one of the longest tenured decision makers in the industry. Uh, the organization, going back to Branch Rickey, has always placed premium value on minor league player development and they have proven they they can make a major league player from pretty much every round in the MLB draft 
the firing of Mount Mike Schilt following that 2021 season, it came as a shock to many, but the Cards brass, they, they had the utmost confidence in Marmol. He was always considered the manager in waiting. And Marmol, who led the team to a 93-69 and 69 record in his rookie campaign, is less of a traditionalist than Schilt. Oliver is uh, his... He's like this new age manager in baseball. He invokes the analytics in his lineup and in-game strategy. His biggest challenge is going to be overcoming the mass exodus of coaches uh, the club recently endured. But the Cubs, or the Cards, they, they're a veteran bunch. Should any issues arise that need to be addressed? I don't see Oliver Marmel as a particularly vulnerable coach. I think Mosaic is completely comfortable with his choice there. So, I got... Marmol at 10% vulnerable. Uh, after Brewer skipper Craig Council, I believe he's probably the second most secure manager in the division that, quite honestly, it does have some uh, vulnerability there. So that's the third pick in the draft. Ryan Ziegler, and you get Oliver Marmol. Okay. Pick number four. Going to the hat. We got Leo Jane out of Melbourne, Australia. Alright. That's my dude right there. Loyal listener. Always tunes in. Unfortunately, uh, he didn't pull a very good manager here. He's going to have Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers. And the Dodgers have... He's actually a Dodgers fan, too. He's an Orioles fan, first and foremost, but he does have uh, leanings toward the Dodgers in the National League. Uh, So he knows a lot of this uh, that I'm probably spitting to him here. The the Dodgers have consistently spent as much money as any organization since the current ownership took the helm in 2012. The, The leadership has swept through the system. It's transformed the team on every level, from scouting to player development to the way they conduct themselves during free agency. GM Andrew Friedman was one of the most significant hires for that current Dodgers uh, squad after transforming the Rays into a winner with a shoestring budget. And with more money to work with in L.A., Friedman has stayed within his analytical code. But he's also receptive to traditional old-school theory. Dave Roberts, uh, now in his eighth season as a Dodger skipper, he and Friedman should have tremendous trust and communication between them. Roberts, like Friedman, he's evolved, you know, just like uh, Friedman has. Uh, Roberts is willing to deploy the analytics in a pinch, but for the most part, uh, for the most part, he has remained traditional, a uh, traditional in-game manager. He pr- uh, prefers, like, strict bully roles, and at times... Uh, kind of these, you know, stagnant lineup cards. The relationship between the manager and the GM is too tight for me to foresee Roberts getting fired in 2023. So I got Roberts vulnerable at 6%. I think that's fair right there, 6%. All right, so nobody's got anybody that's quite vulnerable yet. Let's reach back into the hat here. We're going to pull out another name. This is the fifth pick of the 2023 Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network. Deadpool sponsored by Laparose Fish and Hand Cleaner. And with pick number five in the Deadpool draft here, I got Zach Scott out of Altoona, Pennsylvania. 
Alright. And let's see what manager Zach's gonna pull here. Oh, another one that I, I just don't see as, uh, as very vulnerable here. Uh, Zach Scott, Altoona, Pennsylvania. You pulled Bruce Bochy on the Rangers with the fifth pick. Well, you know, you guys who haven't been picked yet, you got to feel pretty good because none of these managers seem very vulnerable. I don't think Bochy's vulnerable. Uh, very few teams, in fact, held my interest and fascination this past offseason like the Rangers. Uh, there were times when I was perplexed, like dumping huge money on the talented but brittle arm of Jacob DeGrom. There were times when I was shocked, like, holy shit, the Rangers just got Bruce Bochy. Like, that's a real deal, holy good shit right there. I'm a huge fan of Bochy. The work he did in San Diego, the rings he lorded out in McCovey Cove. What's not to like, you know? The Rangers hit a grand slam there. And they did some really, well, they did some things that I've, I've actually liked towards the end there, such as drafting Vladdy Guerrero's little brother in the international draft. And while I do question some of this money they have thrown at free agents in the past couple of years, you know, guys like Jacob, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, the needless spending for mediocre returns, it's not blocked this young talent that they do have coming up. You know, beast prospects like Josh Young and, and Evan Carter. And even with high-priced free agents on a roster that finished uh, 22 with a 68-84 record, the lifeblood for the Rangers is the youth that they have in tow. The Kumar Rockers, Jack Lighters, Pablo Guerreros. Josh Young played in a total of... I'd say 153 minor league games before his promotion. That's really fast. I'm curious to see how the Rangers go forth and bringing up the plethora of young talent they have. Uh, thankfully, they got Bochi, the, the pa- perfect patient teacher and strategist. I have Bochi at 2% vulnerable in 2023. I, I'm very curious to see Bochi and pitching coach Mike Maddox work together for the Rangers. So, again... Not the most vulnerable managers. Uh, we are now five picks in. And let's go for the sixth pick here. Let's see if we can pull out a winner. Let me see who the name is first. The name is going to be Kurt Stewart. My man out of Cleveland, Ohio. Another strong, loyal fan listener. I'm going to try to pull you out a winner here, Kurt. Let's see what we got. And Kurt is the last pick where it's only going to be one person for a manager. Everybody else is multiple guys. Well, Kurt, you got Aaron Boone from the New York Yankees. And I know, like, your first impulse might be like, uh, he's not going to get fired. But you just never know when it comes to New York, right? And, I mean, going into last year, Boone looked very vulnerable after a sloppy 2021, but GM Brian Cashman, owner Hal Steinbrenner, they gave him their backing, and he responded. He appeared to be more engaged. He had a more engaged attitude last team last year. His team looked more focused, prepared, competitive because of it. The Yankees, while hot out of the gate last year, going 64-28 in their first 98 games, uh, they went 500 the rest of the way. I, I like Boone, but... I do find some of his moves perplexing, such as batting Judd second in the playoffs, and what the fuck was that? But 
the Yankees front office has put Boone in an advantage, advantageous situation by uh, resigning Judge and snatching free agent Carlos Rondon off the free agent market list. And but there's also like this New York City factor, you know, where making the playoffs it's never good enough from the Yankee fans and media. And with Rondon and Severino struggling with health issues this spring, the fans are in, you know, full pushback mode over IKFs, Josh Donaldson, Aaron Hicks, roster spots. And should they come out lackluster, you know, with the young Orioles, Rays, and Jays in the wings, it won't be long before Bowen absorbs the blood of the fans' anger. Uh, not a guy I see particularly vulnerable, but anything less than total dominance and world title aspirations in that city with that fan base is dangerous. So I'm going to handicap him at 18.4%. So, so far, you got the most vulnerable manager. I don't know how manageable he is. You know, I got him at 18.4%. It's, it's not beyond the realm, but I don't think it's going to happen. All right, now we're going to two picks for each manager. So, let me reach in here. I'm going to grab two names. And the first name is going to be Cecil Hackworth. Down at Summerfield, Florida. And he will be in tandem with Jorge Huertas out of the Boogie Down Bronx. Alright, my boys. That's good shit right there. Let's see if I can't pick you guys out a winner. Here, this one looks like a winner right here. Let's try this one. Oh, tough beat, fella. Uh, Craig Council from the Milwaukee Brewers. And I don't know, brother. That's a tough pick right there, I think. Because, you know, the Brewers under this owner, Mark Antanasio. They've always been at the bottom of the payroll spectrum. They, they, they followed the analytics trend by hiring David Stern as the club GM in 2015. And his job was to stretch out every single dollar spent uh, to its maximum value. So with Stern stepping aside, the crew hired Matt Arnold as his successor, who learned his lessons at the feet of Stern's and is now anxious to put his own theories in conjunction with Sensei Stearns into action. The Brewers have made the postseason in four consecutive seasons now. By four. The, you know, the most in their team history. It's, it's the first time in their history. Uh, Craig Council has been arguably the greatest manager in the history of that organization. He has consistently shown the ability to deploy analytics into his process as well as use his gut instincts and 16 years of playing career experience to draw back on. He, he truly is fantastic to me. His teams have consistently over-exceeded expectations and he always gets the most out of his whole roster with every, you know, and you got to remember, uh, they're not spending a lot of money. So, you know, there's very little uh, margin for error there. Uh, I believe the Brew Crew are in a good position to to make the playoffs for the fifth consecutive year in 23. And, you know, Council, he's going to be playing chess. And he's going to use all his pieces going into tactical battle. I got Council. I'm going to put him at 7%. So here you go. Cecil Hackworth, Jorge Huertas. That's a tough draw there. All right. Next two. 
We got Peter Cervello out of Utica, New York. And he will be in tandem with Oh, my man Roro down in Houston, Texas. All right, there we go. Two loyal fans, good brothers right there. So, Roro, Peter Savello, let me see who your manager's going to be. I better pick a good one or Savello's going to bust my balls all fucking year. Here we go. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I'm really going to hear it on this one. All right. Peter Cervello and Rao Rao. You two have Tito Francona from the Cleveland Guardians. <coughs> and that's that's not a good pick at all, brother. I, I think we can all agree there, right? Uh, 16 years removed from breaking that curse in the Bambino on Boston. He's now in his 11th season in Cleveland. His 23rd overall as a skipper. He is arguably, arguably the least vulnerable manager for the death pool. I mean, unless he actually dies, which I don't mean to go there, but, you know, that is a possibility for all 30 men, and it counts in the manager's death pool. Uh, he's battled gastrointestinal problems as well as blood clots in recent years, but nothing is going to keep this man away from managing a team that he believes in. And when Tito believes in you, you know it. And it makes it better. Now, I know I'm blatantly kissing his ass, but I'm a huge fan of him and his work. And the tandem of him and Chris Antonetti, uh, not, well, the tandem of Chris Antonetti, uh, he's president of baseball operations, Mike Cherenoff, the GM, they pretty much made it clear Tito can manage the guards as long as he wants. He's top shelf liquor strategist, a leader, a motivator, a teacher on the big league level. And unlike La Russa, he's been able to evolve in the 2020s. So I'm sorry about your bad luck there with this pick. I got Tito at 0.7% chance of dying this year. No manager has 0%. Uh, you know, chance of losing their gig. But, yeah, Tito's, he's pretty fucking close. Brutal pick. Savello's gonna give it to me on that. Alright, moving on. The next name. Is Debbie Stevenson out of Visalia, California. That is the brother of, our sister of Ron Robinson, former pitcher of the Cincinnati Reds. Great fan, great fan. Big fan of hers as well. She sells a lot of my tumblers and stuff. Michael Ford out of Fresno, California. So look at that. Two North California Californians about to say, uh, share the same manager. And that manager will be, let's take a look here. Their manager is Alex Cora for the Boston Red Sox. And, well, look, you know, I just got done watching the uh, Orioles pound the Red Sox in opening day. Action here. I mean, Adley Rockstar went 4 for 4 with a walk, but, I, you know, we, we won't talk about that. He, he's the man. I'm telling you, this dude is a rock star. 
The Red Sox and Cora, they, they've struggled to find consistency since the end of the last decade. And, you know, after coming within two wins of the 2021 World Series, Boston collapsed to a last-place finish last year as the foundation of the team was torn to shreds by injuries. In July of last year, they went 8-19. They put 12 players on the DL. I'm sorry, the IL. I mean, what the fuck? In my opinion, you know, uh, Cora didn't help himself at times last year with his hyper-aggressive strategies and frantic bully management. As a leader, yeah, Cora's top-shelf liquor. As a strategist, he, you know, he's got a lot of Joe Madden in him, which we all know it wears thin on the base eventually. Uh, the book is still out on GM Chain Bloom, who botched the Bogarts negotiation from day one. And his trades, they, they haven't yielded much fruit to this point. The farm is coming along slowly with Tr- Tristan Cass and Marcelo Meyer waiting in the wings. I don't think Alex is completely safe, but I look, I, I think he does have some vulnerability. I, I got him at 22%. For those of you that are keeping score at home, that's Alex Cora of the Boston Red Sox for Mikey Ford and Debbie Robinson Stevenson. All right, moving on. We are nine picks in. Almost a third in. This will be a third in right here. I got to pick up the pace, maybe. All right. We got Ray Bostaff, last year's winner. He's coming out of Akron, Ohio. Last year, he won it. He got a... uh, We got him a a Guardian's plaque, I believe, for his man cave. And it's another Ohio guy. We got Ray Bostaff and Dan Mormon out of Greenville, Ohio. And I know Mormon really wants me to pick David Bell for him. He, He can't stand that guy. He's waiting for him to be fired. Let me see if I can find you... David Bell. Money. Alright, here we go. Oh, brutal call. Brutal draw right there. So, Ray Bostaff, Dan Mormon, you have Dusty Baker, the defending world champion manager. Uh, that's tough. Uh, you know, just days after Houston won the World Series, team owner Jim Crane, he ostensibly fired GM Jim Click. Crane, before diving into the free agent market, was relying on input from, you know, guys like Jeff Bagwell and Reggie Jackson more than he was on his uh, former GM and his analytical leanings there. He also appeared to be in any hurry to fill that vacant post for a while. Finally, he gave the gig to Dana Brown from the Braves organization. And Crane was so turned off by Glick, he even fired some of his top lieutenants. And I believe that all this is to the benefit of Dusty Baker, who had a frosty relationship with Glick. And Glick rarely solicited Dusty's opinion on personnel matters. And, you know, look, becoming the new GM of the World Champion Astros, that's a pretty phenomenal gig right there. You can just put that Tesla in auto drive and return it back to the garage with no scratches and you're good. Uh, surely the new GM, he ain't coming into the World Championship organization and firing that beloved manager there. Not in 2023. I put Dusty at about 3%. 
vulnerable. All right, so that's another tough pick. Dusty Baker's off the board. I go back into the hat, pull out two more names. Man, can you hear that dude playing? I mean, that's just ridiculous. I see a guy playing a guitar like that. Like, listen to that. That's ridiculous. I see a guy playing the guitar like this, and yeah, I'm just glad I played the flute. You feel me? <laughs> Alright, let's go. Two names out of the hat. First name, Steve Meisenwich, Phillies fan out of Baltimore, Maryland. And his partner is Dean Hobson out of Marion, North Carolina. Alright, two really good two really good hombres right there. Let's see if I can pick you out a winner here. Alright. And you two have AJ Hinch. That's not a bad pick, actually. I think Hinch has a little bit of vulnerability to him there. Um, they got a new GM there, Scott Harris. He he represents you know this paradigm shift in the way the Tigers do business, the way their overall baseball philosophy. Third year manager AJ Hinch may be slightly vulnerable because of it. Any any time a new GM rides into town, it's only logical to believe that they're going to want to build the team in their own image. And Harris. He trained at the feet of Theo Epstein, Farhan Zaidi, and he already chopped the head of, you know, longtime scouting department Scott Peels. He poached raised top scout Rob Metzler away from Tampa. And his first goal in Motown has been to expand the analytics department. So in that regard. I think that works in AJ's favor. He he had a great working relationship. With Astros GM Jeff Lunau, which is in line with the new Scott Harris direction for this Tigers team. But still, if Detroit and their former high draft picks fail to show improvement, I can see a situation where Scott Harris makes his move. AJ is a really good manager, but I'm going to say he does have a lease this year. I had point AJ Hinch at 33% vulnerable. So, so far, AJ Hinch has probably been the most vulnerable manager. And he's a working man. Look, look, here's the thing. And this is the rule that I live by. I don't always listen to Rush, but when I do, so do the fucking neighbors. You feel me? I mean, listen to this right here. Yeah, you're about to get fired, dude, because we're this is a manager's death pool. No regard for the working man. Right? We're all, you know, working men, working ladies. You know how it is. Alright. Here we go. Frankie Eyes. The winner of the 2023 throwback draft. His name is here. Of course it is. He's a loyal follower. He even bought some of that hand cleaner off of me. That's my dude right there. And he will be with Danny Barrera out of Denver, Colorado. So let's see here. Let's see what I can pick up for you guys here. Oh, wow. That's... Now that's funny. I don't know how Danny's going to feel about this. Danny Barrera. 
Frankie Eyes. You have Bud Black from the Colorado Rockies. So, Danny, you got your own manager, much like Chanel McCaskill in the very beginning. Uh, and, you know, Bud Black, he's been the team skipper since 2017. The last four seasons have resulted in under 500 finishes. And surely the Monfort family, who has shown a recent willingness to spend on contracts, will not tolerate a fifth straight season under 500, I gotta think. The ownership, in spite of loosening up the purse strings, they missed out on a golden opportunity to lift that veil off the uh, stagnant franchise by bringing in an outside, fresh perspective to run those day-to-day operations. Instead, they hired from within. Longtime front office lieutenant Bill Schmidt, who served under Jeff British, who made really no difference in the fortunes of the franchise. And Black, he looks to finally solve the hardest baseball riddle in modern-day baseball. How does starting pitchers survive the Coors Field effect? And looking at that Rockies rotation, I don't see Bud Black solving that riddle this year. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here in the face of Monfort conservatism. And I see Black, I think he's a little vulnerable. He may not survive the season. He might get it. Well, he may. He Actually, he may survive the season and get the axe in the offseason. But I think he's vulnerable. I'm going to put Bud Black at 25% vulnerable. That's not a terrible draw unless you're a Rockies fan like Danny Barrera. All right. Moving along. Two more names out the hat. All right. All right, this is Jeremy Jeffries out of Columbus, Ohio, by way of Green River, Wyoming. A very solid listener right there. I'd like to pull him out of winter. You're going to be with Abel Rosario, my international sports correspondent. It's been on the last couple weeks talking WBC baseball with me. Let's see if I can't get you guys a winner. It looks like they're drawing and the papers are getting smaller and smaller. All right. Ooh, that's a brutal pick right there. Okay. Abel Rosario, Jeremy Jeffries. You have Kevin Cash, manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. And then probably, you know, my opinion, probably the safest of all the AL East managers. Uh, he and GM Eric Neander, they've earned trust with one another. They've gone to war with one another. They're, they're totally buying into this raised way and leaving their own f- fingerprints on the Tampa template. And when the Rays are healthy, they, they are crushing the opponents with their sum is greater than the total of creative parts there. The two very rarely lose trades. And they are top flight security of the world, Craig, when it comes to development and evaluation. Which, let's face it, uh, you're going to need that in the face of stingy ownership and constant stadium drama. So I would be completely shocked if Cash got fired. I got him at 4% vulnerable. Moving on. Next two hats. Next two names out of the hat. This is, there's three. Let me put one of those back. Throw that back in there. All right, here we go. All right. 
I got my boy Sean Smith. He's working in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's going to be the fucking president one day. One day, the president in the Oval Office is going to be listening to Backwards K-Pi. I promise you, this kid is going to be the one a president in the future. So I got Sean Smith from the U.S. House of Reps. And I got Stephen Mark Saunders out of Fairmouth, Massachusetts. Alright, let's go ahead and get in this hat here. It looks like I'm running out of manager names. I, I hope I did the math right here. Alright. Stephen Mark Saunders. Soon to be President Smith. Have me reach in here and grab you a name. Okay, let's let's open this one. Oh. Alright. It's not horrible. You got Skip Shoemaker from the Miami Marlins after, uh, you know, seven seasons. Mattingly's out. Former Padres bench coach Skip Shoemaker is in. It kind of makes sense for the new direction of the club to be modeled after Shoemaker. The former club has a card. He's experienced in uh, small ball success, being part of an organization who puts the emphasis on internal development. And as a player, he was versatile. Hard-nosed, mass effort type. As the manager of the fish... He's going to have to win with a lineup, you know, with limited power, but a ton of speed. I think Shoemaker will get every chance to sink or swim here. I think he's very secure in his job this year. GM Kim Young, on the other hand, I'm not so sure about her fate. I, her reign atop has not yielded any on-field success, and it's... You know, it's fair to ask, just, you know, what's the future path of the Marlins here? I put Shoemaker at 13% vulnerable, not exactly a high chance, but, look, you never know with the Marlins, right? So that's uh, Stephen Mark Saunders, Sean Smith, the future president of the United States. I'm sorry, Mr. President, I wish I could have gave you a better, better option there, buddy. All right, moving on. Reaching into the hat. I got Matt L. Asbury out of Kettersville, North Carolina. That's my boy right there. Solid listeners, man. I love all you guys, man. All you guys, man. You're just the fucking best. I'm glad I can do stuff like this for you. Matt Asbury, you're going to be in tandem with Corey Smith out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's my boy Corey. Another, another, just, you know... All the love, man. You guys just fucking kill it for me all the time, bro. All right, you guys are going to... Let me see here. I'll pull you now a name. Oh, I, I actually like this name for you guys. Corey Smith, Matt Asbury. You have Phil Nevin, manager of the Los Angeles Angels. And Joe Madden, after his fine last year, he released the book of Joe. Trying not to suck at baseball and life. And in this book, he complained of how the Halos front office had become totally overcome by advanced metrics and how the suits were actually calling the dugout to interject their strategy advice during games. And that's going to be Phil Nevin's challenge right there. He's armed with a one-year contract, staff of new faces. I consider Nevin vulnerable. Will he be able to turn the Angels around? And is he willing to play ball with the constant interference from the front office? See, the, the Nevins... Our baseball family. They're old school through and through. With Otani, Trout, a healthy Rendon. 
ready to start the season. The Angels, you know, they're going to be under pressure to finally get to some postseason play, pay dirt here. The one thing about the Angels that I do like, the rotation looks improved when they uh, snagged Southpaw Tyler Anderson from the Dodgers. And they have high hopes for an emerging Pablo Sandoval and Jose Suarez, who he was damn near untouchable in the second half last year. They, they also have Reed Detmer and his high ceiling. He proved his medal by pitching a no-hitter last man as a rookie. The Angels, they have a chance to dramatically improve this year, but the Halos have made Nevin uh, appear a little bit weaker here. And just, a, you know, kind of like the stopgap stop kind of guy. till you know, something better comes along. Yeah, only time is going to tell, but I do have Nevin at 42% vulnerable. Okay. He's probably been the most vulnerable one so far. Pulling out two more names. Alright. The 2023 LTBPN Manager's Death Pool. Sponsored by Lavaro's Crabfish Hand Cleaner. Alright. The next one. Two more solid listeners right here. I got John Fox. Foxy out of Houston, Texas. I got... Let me see here. What is this? I got Greg Scott, uh, Greg Stewart out of Piscataway, New Jersey. And let's see if I can pick them out a winner. Let's see. What is this right here? Unfortunately, I didn't do you no justice, boys. Sorry about that. You got... Uh, Scott Service, Seattle Mariners. Uh, I don't like that pick. I'm sorry. Team Chairman John Stanton, he's, he's placed uh, his trust in GMJ DePoto, Manager Scott Service, and it's paid off in spades. The, that wasn't always the case with DePoto. It, it's easy to forget that the M's fans, uh, you know, they used to get frustrated by all of DePoto's, you know, moves and personnel, but. The base has been been reinvigorated by back-to-back 91 seasons with a nod towards the 2023 season. Uh, DePoto and Service were teammates in Colorado together. They worked together in the front office uh, with the Angels before joining forces in Seattle. And I believe the Mariners will again post about 90 wins or so. And, you know, they're, they're going to be hunting for the wildcard spot, maybe even division title. Maybe it's their year. And barring a complete breakdown of performance and trust between Service and DePoto, uh, Service has nothing to worry about. That, that's a tough draw, my friends. I have Severino at about 6% vulnerable there. So not a great pick. Sorry about that, boys. Alright, two more names out of the box. Here in the 2023 Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network Manager's Death Bowl. Alright, there's a name. Man, these things are getting hard to open up. Alright. Okay, I got T. Strickland. Out of Waterford, Michigan. And, you could have it all. and your partner is Jared Kopp out of Bristol, Virginia. 
two solid, solid dudes right there. Unfortunately, I didn't cut you guys any breaks here. I, I pulled Bob Melvin for the San Diego Padres. And look, expectations are about at San Diego, right? You got the addition of an, another bomb-ass bat, Xander Bogarts. The rebuild is over. The Friars are stacked with the most talent in franchise history. Both AG, uh, GM AJ Preller is an aggressive mover and shaker who is quick to make a bold trade to bolster his squad. And, you know, not all of his moves have been successful as the Padres have given up a ton of quality prospects over the years. But their success is also a nod to impressive drafting and player development. And San Diego was kind of late to the analytics party, but they're catching up quickly. And manager Bob Melvin, he's highly respected. Um... Especially, you know, going back to his, uh, you know, challenging but successful tenure in Oakland. Uh, his leadership qual- qualities have never been questioned. They shined through last year in the first season at San Diego. And barring a disastrous collapse in 2023, I got to think Melvin is relatively safe. I'm going to put him at about 9% vulnerable of being fired. Entering back into the draft, pulling out two more names out of that name hat. I got Ben Muth out of Topeka, Kansas. I got Joseph Christopher Johnson out of Chicago, Illinois. Again, two, two fine individuals. Crazy baseball passion. uh, Ben's a crazy Royals fan. JC's a Cubs fan. You know, he's already crazy. You know, Cubs fans are crazy. All right, let me see if I can pull you guys out of winter here. All right, let's see what we got here. You know what? This isn't a bad pick. J.C. Johnson, Chicago, Illinois, Bad Mule, Topeka, Kansas. I pulled Rocco Baldelli. And I hate to say it because I'm a Baldelli fan, but I think Rocco has some vulnerability at the final year of his contract here. He's... He really hasn't had a problem evolving with the game, but in many ways, he has a lot of old-school risk-adverse tactics to his game. I call him Amino. That's the analytically metric in names only manager. He rarely puts runners in motion or gives up on an out to move a runner. And I got Bill James online right now, and he's screaming at Rocco, take a chance, brother. The team... As fiscally conservative as they've been in the bottom half of MLB payrolls for the last decade. And I recommend a balls-to-the-wall approach this year from Baldelli. Leave it all on the field. His job may very well depend on Byron Buxton finally taking all his talent and bringing it all together. And finally, the Twins leader, you know, being that Twins leader that they've always envisioned him to be. Buxton, you know, he's, he's like bad sex for me. It starts out so promising, and then I get so fucking bored, and I, I just fake it. Baldelli better buy for a playoff spot, or, you know, Rocco's done in Minneapolis-St. Paul. I'm going to put Rocco at 36% vulnerable. So, I don't think that's a bad pick. J.C. Johnson, Ben Muth, not bad, not bad. Going back into the hat. 
Alright. So, our two names. The first name is Michael Dietz out of Peoria, Illinois. The second name is my man Brian Belzino out of Dewey, Arizona. Dewey, Arizona. Dewey, Arizona. And their manager is Mark Kotze. Ah, I don't think he's that vulnerable, honestly. Yeah, the nucleus of that homegrown talent, young players acquired from trades. It's not going to be a competitive core until about 2025 at the earliest, I'm thinking. And by that time, the A's could be, you know, joining the Road Warriors. Uh, I'm sorry, the Raiders and the Warriors in an exodus from the Bay Area playing in Las Vegas. GM David Frost has, you know, for the most part, been involved with the payroll and team acquisitions for the past two decades. So he goes into the season fully aware of the challenging limitations the organization's going to face. New manager Mark Kotze played for the A's. He goes into the gig knowing full well his team is not expected to compete. He also knows that, you know, with no perennial all-stars on the roster, he really has no trade chips, you know, to make his situation better. The team is also hamstrung hamstrung by poor drafts in 2017, 18, 19. And because of these shortcomings, the A's need to be constantly developing at this point. Uh, And that's going to be a tough ask for... The most experienced skipper, let alone, you know, a a rookie here trying to take over. Uh, Everyone knows that the current score going in, he probably won't get fired, but it may wear him down at some point. And maybe he quits. But I highly doubt a pro like Kase has ever quit in the face of a challenge. So I don't see him as very vulnerable. I got him at 10%. So that's kind of a tough draw. All right, let's reach back in here. The names are drifting off, baby. We're getting through it. All right. Interesting. The first name is Scott Yoakum out of Franklin Town, Tennessee. I think it's Franklin Town, actually. The second name is James Goggin. He's standing on a corner out in Winslow, Arizona. And their manager is Matt Quattroro of the Kansas City Royals. Hmm. I don't know that I consider him all that vulnerable. Let's see, I, you know... I, I mean, at some point, all these high draft picks, they need to turn out for the Royals, right? Especially on the pitching side. Brady Singer proved he has a good slider, the ability to have better command. Daniel Lynch, who I've been high on in his minor league tenure, he needs to realize all that promise he has. Uh, he needs to exhibit more faith in his slider, work with Singer to make it more effective. Brad Keller hasn't regressed. He's regressed since 2020. And maybe Jordan Lyles can have the same workhorse slash mentor effect on the young Royals pitchers the way he did in Baltimore last season. 
The Royals seemed distracted by new stadium talk as John Sherman brought the team for a billion dollars and has thus far failed to open his payroll for any talent whatsoever. Quattuoro, Quattuoro, that's such a weird name to fucking say. Quattuoro was uh, Kevin Cash's bench coach in Tampa. And he also has experience in pitching development for the Rays and the Guardians. So that gives me pause. You know, those are two good organizations there that, that really know how to develop pitchers. And it's going to be a process in Kansas City. It's almost like starting over, although... I don't believe it is a full reboot like Detroit. At least the Royals have a budding superstar, Bobby Witt Jr., on their roster. Quattaro is safe, but if for any reason that Sherman is, you know, focused more on securing a new crib, it'd be better if he would, you know, concentrate more on what he's got going on in the field. I, I, I'll put Quattaro at 3% vulnerable. Nah. Let's make it 87 the, the, the Royals are going to, you know, they're going to struggle this year. Alright. So. Goggins. My man, yo. That's your guy, Matt Quattrara. Alright. Getting down to the nitty gritty. First new name. Matt Gibson. Out of Baltimore. Orioles fan. I know he was loving that Orioles win today. And we got my boy Johnny Haynes out in Cincinnati, Ohio. So, Johnny Haynes, Matt Gibson. I got a beautiful audience. Oh, that's kind of a tough pick. Tori Lavulo for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And... When I look at the Diamondbacks, I, you know, first of all, GM Mike Hazen is entering his sixth season as a top dog decision maker. Several of his personal moves have not turned out well, but he has been able to, to make up for it with, you know, a, a outstanding draft picks and astute low-budget flyer additions. The front office is analytically inclined, albeit on a tight budget. One of Hazen's first moves was, in fact, hiring Troy Lavulo as his manager, and Lavulo rewarded Hazen and the franchise with early success, but Lavulo has evolved into like this player development guy and a teacher for like the last few seasons. Uh, he has been criticized as a tactician, but his players consistently play hard for him, which works in tandem with the plethora of young talent working their way to the show, and I expect Arizona to be very competitive in 2023, and if that doesn't happen, Lavulo may pay the price. I'm going to put Tory here at 13% vulnerable. Okay. Moving on. 2023 LTBN Manager's Death Bowl. The first name I pull is my girl Nisi DeShield out in Baltimore, Maryland, baby. Alright. I really want to pick her a winner, too. She's been in that Facebook room since the beginning. Loyal. The second pick is Brian McKenzie out of Ontario, Canada. Another fine, fine dude. So, we got Nisi the Shields. We got Brian McKenzie. And their manager, 
is gonna be... God, I pulled these way too tight. Oh, brutal. I'm sorry. I gave you Brian Snicker from the Braves. And really, it, it seems so long ago when the Braves fans were questioning the ability of the new skipper, but two of his strengths, stability and calm, have become part of the organization's DNA. And it bleeds into the product that he puts out on the field every night. It certainly helps that the Braves line up in bullpen or idiot proof. But Snit sticks to the basics and believes in his boys. He understands the value of his set roles. He never outthinks himself. He never tries to be overtly smarter than anyone else in his decision making. He's very methodical in his ways. And... The clubhouse has totally bought into what he's selling. Uh, Snicker will almost assuredly not be fired. I, I got him at 3% vulnerable. Okay. Moving on. Two more names. From the hat. It doesn't look like many managers are left, so we're getting down there. I got Adam Hebel out of Baltimore, Maryland. I got Mark Zolgai out of the UK, United Kingdom, all the way across the pond. The dude follows me. How about that? So we've had an Australian. Well, Mark, he's from the Czech Republic, so he's really he's Czech. And all right, Mark Zolgai, Adam Hebel. Out of Baltimore. Not a very good pick. Uh, Gab, Gabe Kapler from the San Francisco Giants. Uh, you know, the Giants, you know, what can you say? You know, Farhan Zaidi, he was named base, president of baseball operations in 2018. He's widely considered one of the brightest analytical minds in the game. His impact on the franchise in four years has been clear as the Giants use analytics in every conceivable way. While there hasn't been much evidence of a rehabilitated farm system yet, which I'm, you know, waiting on, that may change after the season with some solid ball-playing prospects on the cusp of making a difference on the big club. He, uh, Zaidi and manager Gabe Kaplan, they have a tremendous relationship that goes back to when they both worked together and the Dodgers organization. His outside-the-box style, it has the blessing of the front office, and he's been met with open arms pretty much throughout the Bay Area. The team's analytic and coaching applications, they've been clear difference makers in the past two years. San Francisco still lacks the power of their rivals in San Diego and L.A., but it has at least closed the, the knowledge and the coaching disparity. And Kapler and Zaidi, they have a great relationship. It's built on trust and respect. And quite honestly, I don't feel like Kapler is vulnerable at all. I'm going to put him at about 13%. So Adam Hebel, Mark Zolgai, you got Gabe Kapler. Not, I'm sorry, not a good pick. I, I, sh- I should have done better. I failed you guys. I'm, I'm awful. Terrible. All right, two more names out of the hat. 
I got Junior B. Anderson out of New Orleans, Louisiana. Down there in the Big Easy. And Mark Steinman out of Southern New York. So, two fine dudes right here. Mark Steinman. Junior B. Anderson. Oh my God, this is a tremendous pick for you guys right here. You guys have won the David Bell sweepstakes. Uh, and I consider David Bell, I mean, he's, he's got to be, he's got to be vulnerable, right? I mean, the Reds have shown incredible patience with manager David Bell, and, and his leash is getting shorter and shorter after every loss. His head-scratching tactics have left the majority of fans unimpressed and salty, to say the least. Say the least. He is, without question, the most hated current manager by his own fan base. The Reds have yet to exceed expectations on his five-year watch. And for me, he is the most vulnerable manager in the field to be fired first. It's really just a matter of time. And this is a fantastic draw. I put David Bell at 66% vulnerable to get fired. So Junior B... Mark Steinman, the got David Bell. To me, the clear favorite here. Two more, two more names out the hat. I got Ralph Portuando out of Seaside, California, and I got Mikey Franks, my boy out of Altoona, Pennsylvania. And let's see if I can't pull my boy a good one here. Yeah, it's pretty good one should be left, right? This is a pretty good one. Mikey Franks, Ralph Portuando, out of Seaside, California. You guys have drawn Nationals manager Dave Martinez. And I kind of like this pick. I think it's a pretty good draw there. This is uh, more than likely the last year for Dave Martinez to be in charge of the Nationals. As, you know, he will likely be ousted by new ownership. And that may not be no, by no fault of his own. But aside from the madcap 2019 season that saw his frantic postseason march in the postseason, he, uh, he has shown very little sense to suggest that he is a long-term building block for the new era Nats. Uh, GM Mike Rizzo, he's almost certainly gone after the season. His tenure in the district has uh, seen success. But his stubbornness and trading Bryce Harper when it was clear he was leaving D.C. and his inability to build a farm system is the very reason that the Nats are in the fucking situation they're currently in. Uh, I consider Martinez one of the front runners to fall on their sword during the 2023 season. And I got him at 40%. So not a bad pick at all like right there, in my opinion, for Mikey Franks and Ralph Portuando. Alright, moving on. Two more names come out the hat. I got Ozzy Gruz, my boy out of Puerto Rico. 
And who else is going to be running with him? Kurt Paul Otterbrock out of Champaign, Illinois. All right. I only see like five more managers, so we're, we're really, really close. Okay. Kurt Albrock, Ozzy Cruz, your manager is Brandon Hyde. And Hyder, uh, he probably has a competitive lineup, right? He's got starting pitchers who can actually accumulate outs. He finally has a team with the tools to work with on the major league level. And following the promotion of Adley Rockstar, the team found its competitive edge. Adley's impact on the staff is unquantifiable without witnessing it firsthand. The rotation's going to need to go deeper this year, more often, which isn't beyond the pale after Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer got their first whole season of experience in 2022. The bullpen... It was elite last year, even after trading closer Jorge Lopez to the Twins. Felix the Mountain Batista, he's got all the tools to be elite. CNL Perez and Dylan Tate were great bridges to the mountain. And look, when we're talking about the Orioles, they, they have the number one farm team in baseball with guys like Grayson Rodriguez, Cody Mayer, Connor Norby, Colton Kowser, Heston Kierstad, Drew Rom, Joey Ortiz, Taryn Barbara, Jordan Westberg. And the number one prospect in all of baseball, Gunnar Henderson. They're all waiting in the wings. Some of them are even up in the big club now, like Gunnar. Uh, pushing that big league roster to be better. The, the chances for Hyde to be fired are slim. I got it around 12%. And that is only if there is a co- complete collapse throughout the organization. Alright, moving on. Two more hats. Two more, I'm sorry, two more names out the hat. Alright, getting down to the nitty gritty. Where are we going from here? 2023. LTBPN. Death Pull. Manager's Death Pull. Sponsored by Laparo's Hand Cleaner. I got my man, man, Dougie Jorabelle out of Oella, Maryland. That's my home slice. We, we, we knew each other since, you know, we was in diapers and shit, looking at each other all funny. All right, let me see what else I got here. Scotty DeBean, the godfather. He's coming out of Sarasota, New York. All right. Your manager is... David Ross for the Chicago Cubs. Eh, that's not too bad. I don't think. I mean, the GM, Jed Hoyer, he, he sat at the feet of Theo Epstein as his right-hand man before Theo's departure in 2020. And as Hoyer learned his lessons, uh, he watched Epstein lead the clubs, Cubs to their first world title in 108 years. The past generation of success was spurred on by great drafting, player development, astute trades, and to Hoyer's credit, he has taken that same path since he took over and started calling the shots. He still, you know, and they're still like, you know, this middle of the pack payroll, still kind of in a rebuild, and, you know, back to back seasons under 500. It's not played well, well with some of the fans, given their large, 
large market status and strong team revenues. Um, couple that with the fact that the Cubs are no longer the sabermetrics gold standard for analytics that they were under the uh, manager David Ross and his staff of coaches, most of whom are returning, will be under pressure to show improvement this year. And I do think Ross is a little vulnerable. I'm going to put him at around 20% to get the axe. Alright. Doug Jarbo. David Ross. I'm sorry, Doug Jarbo. Scott DeBean. You have David Ross from the Cubs. Alright, looks like we're getting down to three more managers, so let's get it. I got Omar Gabi out of Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. His partner is going to be James Santoro out of Queens, New York. And their manager is going to be... That's a tough one. Your manager is going to be Rob Thompson, manager of the National League champion Phillies. And... You know, Rod Thompson, he's widely credited for turning around that 2022 season after the midseason firing of Joe Girardi. In many ways, he is the mirror image of rival Braves manager Brian Snitker to me. Uh, Thompson is a baseball lifer. Quiet, assuming. He prizes consistency, consistency and routine. He does his best to keep it simple, stupid. His loyalty and ability to not rock the boat it's one in favor in the clubhouse. And in my opinion, he's like the perfect yogi fit for that uh, perpetual pressure cooker that is Philly sports. He is backed by aggressive GM Dave Dombrowski, who is never shy in going for immediate dividends. The Dombrowski way has never been about sustainable contention or a deep farm system for that matter. It's, it's always been about you know, paying the price to win, no matter how high that price tag is going to be. And, you know, it's a high-wire act for sure, but you can't knock what John Bosky has constructed in just his three years of work in the city of brotherly love. I think, barring an ugly fall from grace, Thompson is safe. I got him at 11% vulnerable. Omar Gabi, James Santoro. You got Rob Thompson. All right, the next to the last pick. The two names will be... My boy, Dan Andrew, out of Paulie's Island, South Kakalaka. And his partner will be my boy, Travis Hall, in Amherst, Wisconsin. All right, let's see who you got. I know I haven't said Buck Showalter yet. I don't know who the other one is missing. Oh, it's Derek Shelton. So one of you has a really good chance... I'm winning and one of you doesn't. Dan Andrew. Travis Hall. Your manager is Derek Shelton of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I think that's a great draw for you. 
uh, Pirates DM, Ben Charrington, Charrington. He insists that his vision remains intact despite mediocre results. And the tightly fisted and frugal owner, Bob Nutting, it has to be frustrating to such a credible baseball man like Charrington. And luckily for the Berg, Charrington made his bones in scouting and player development as he has built himself a formidable pipeline for a future of Buckos, uh, especially on the bump where Roanzi uh, Contreras and Mitch Keller. They got high ceilings and, and the skill set to be, you know, a dominant one-two punch in the Pirates' future. With the emergence of shortstop O'Neill Cruz and the veteran signings of Andrew McCutcheon and Rich Hill, Cherrington at least has a plan. And, and, and Pirates fan, you can take solace in that. The only thing I'm not convinced manager Derek Shilton is part of that plan. Um, and the bottom line of baseball... Wins, losses, Major League Baseball. Shelton team, teams, you know, they've produced horrible results in three seasons at the helm. And sometimes he seems to lose focus. He, he's been criticized for his lack of attention to detail. Uh, it, it is time for the Pirates to move on. And they plan to take this youth movement to the next level. I, I, I have Shelton among the favorites in the field to get the axe. But the question remains... Are wins and losses the bottom line for nutting? Or is it about saving money and stuffing your coffers? You know, if it's about wins and losses, which it better be for the sake of McCutcheon, then Shelton, he got to go. You know, he should go. He should be on the shortest leash that there is in the majors. Uh, If the Buckos start slow, Shelton got to go. I put Shelton at 60% vulnerable. So... I believe the only manager left would be Buck Showalter. I believe. I don't know who the last two names are, though, so let's go through and get these names. That last manager should be Buck Showalter. Let me make it sure and take a look at it. Yes, it's Buck Showalter. He's the last manager standing. And Derek Moeller out of Springfield, Virginia. And Brian Davis out of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, yeah, you guys got Showalter. It's not a great pick. Uh, he's in a second season in the Queens. He still has shelf life in that clubhouse. Um, that has brought him... That, you know, they bought into him 100% there. Had very little trouble adjusting from classic old school ways to the modern ways driven by analytics. And tactically, Buck has never been on the cutting edge of strategy, but he has historically depended on having a strong pitching staff that works deep in the games. Thankfully, that 2023 Mets staff should afford him that possibility, which should allow Buck to excel at, you know, player relations and avoiding that New York City drama. Again, it's still the second season. His act hasn't worn thin yet, and he has the deep pockets of owner Steve Cohen to always level the playing field with cash. So, you know, Buck, he's safe. I, I got him at about 8% vulnerable there. And there you have it, folks. Got it done in only, you know, under two hours. Unbelievable. It is the 2023. Uh, 
De- uh, manager's Death Pool, sponsored by Laparose Hand Cleaner and Crab Cleaner. And good luck to all of you. Baseball is back. The uh, the snake, you know, he's back in the saddle. I'm back from my uh, my little time. And you can find me on YouTube at the Backwards K Pod channel. My Twitter handle is at back underscore K underscore podcast. My personal handle is at JRobbie and the number one. And of course, you can always find me chilling with the Facebook Seamheads at the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network group page. And with the manager's death pool in the books, I now turn my attention to Tuesday's biopic on the great Trish Speaker. Don't forget, I'll also be interviewing former Orioles Southpaw killer Benny Ayala. That's going to drop on April 6th. So, never a dull moment during the offseason here. Or, you know, during the offseason or the season here at the LTBPN. But look, those are two different stories for two totally different pods. And that's going down starting next week here at Backwards K-Pod where we collect ball players and their stories. Parents, if you see your kids sitting on the couch like a board AF, by all means, take him or her outside and play a game of catch. Thank y'all for coming out. God bless and win the day. And like my boy Shay Hillenbrand told me in our one-on-one interview, you go to hell, Andy Pennant. See you next week, Seamheads. Peace.